This week at church, Pastor Robin McKinley continues his series, The Inside Out Way of Jesus. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Now the tax collector says, stands at a distance. What does this mean? He's just getting alone with God. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on 426 Laurelwood Road in Pottstown, right by the Coventry Mall. We'd also love to hear from you. If this ministry has touched you in any way, send us an email at info at c3pottstown.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, we're continuing with our series called The Inside Out Way of Jesus. Now, two weeks ago, we started this with uh, Jesus was invited to the home of Simon the Pharisee. And while he's there, he turns everything inside out, upside down. And he commends the prostitute, but he really tells the Pharisee that what he's doing isn't right. I mean, think about this. According to people, he should have been praising the Pharisee, and condemning the prostitute. Well, last week we looked at a parable. A Pharisee and a tax collector. They're at the same prayer meeting. The Pharisee is a religious leader. He's well-respected. The tax collector is certified unclean. He's despised by the people. These are two people on the very opposite ends of the spiritual spectrum. There are times when you and I are around some people that we can learn from them. I remember when I was an evangelist and we were at a different church every week, I would uh, observe the pastor. I wanted to learn from the pastor because I knew someday I would probably be a pastor. So I would watch them and ask them questions. I would learn a lot from them. But then there were some, very few, that I really learned what not to do. And we can learn just as much from people who teach us what not to do. How their lives are lived, and the actions they take. There are those who by the same methods can teach us. And the Pharisee was one of those. So far, what has he taught us from what we learned last week? He taught us self-indulgence, what we shouldn't be doing. He taught us pride, definitely shouldn't be involved in. He taught us faith that is focused on the outside of us, what we look like. Well, we're going to continue with this parable, and we're going to focus more on the tax collector today. If you want to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 18, it'll be on the screen here. But if you, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 18, and we're going to look at verse 13. It says, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his his breast and said, God have mercy on me, 
a sinner. Now the tax collector says, stands at a distance. What does this mean? He's just getting alone with God. He doesn't want to be around anyone else because he knows what they think of him. It's like the woman at the well. She goes in the middle of the day to get the water because she knows what everyone else thinks of her. She don't want to be there when the rest of them are there. Well, the tax collector goes to this prayer meeting, but he doesn't stand with everyone else. So here's the Pharisee who thinks God should be quite impressed with him. While on the other hand, we see the tax collector who has no illusions of his righteousness, and he just says, God, have mercy on me. What else can he say? What else can he do? So as Jesus tells the story, he kind of drops a bomb. He turns everything inside out. He rebukes the prayer of the Pharisee, and he commends the prayer of the tax collector. Verse 14 says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. So he's talking about the tax collector when justified before God. For, those, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus said that it's a tax collector that went home justified. Now, I want us to put us in this situation. In fact, let's sit at the judgment seat of Christ or the judgment of Christ or the white throne, whatever it is, whatever judgment you want to sit at, I, I'd like for you to picture yourself there, just, just sitting back. And people are coming toward heaven. You know, it's, you tell the jokes that uh, Peter was standing at the, golden, uh, the pearly gates. Well, Peter ain't there. It's Jesus. Okay? And, and we're thinking, Jesus said, you can't come in. You can't come in. You can come in. And, and you're saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Jesus, are you sure you're not making a mistake here? Don't you think that you've got people mixed up? I mean, shouldn't you be saying that person is justified and that person looks good, he's justified? Don't you think, Jesus, that you're judging this the wrong way? I mean, think about the Pharisee. He fasts twice a week. Now that's spiritual. He gives a tenth of everything he has, not just money. If somebody gave him ten strawberries, he'd give one of them away. I mean, spiritual ties on everything. In our eyes, he's the one who should go home justified. And we think this way, friends. We think this way, too. I mean, we'll say... And, and, and let's say we're at this dinner party and we hear Jesus talking about this Pharisee. I mean, just look at him. Look what the man has done. He's a religious leader. Look how this man is dressed. Man, do you hear how he talks? I mean, this is a spiritual person. 
Wow, look at his position. I mean, don't we fall into that? Yeah, we do. All of us have at one time or another. Then after reading these verses, we realize that maybe what Jesus is looking at and what you and I look at are two entirely different things. See, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that there are times that people come to church and there's a great need in their life. I mean, they are looking for answers. They're looking for a supernatural solution to something that's going on in their life. Something they're going through. I mean, it could be that they're digging out of debt or trying to overcome an addiction or they're trying to make their marriage work. Whatever it is, they come to church. They want an answer right now. They're ready for the action steps. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to change in my behavior. And we instinctively put the focus on the outside of the person. Now, there's a place for that. But what I'm telling you is, there is absolutely, positively, no substitute for humbling yourself before God. And that's not what we want to hear. We, we don't want to hear that I've got to make a change like that. Well, we'll concede. All right, I know we got to do something like that. I get it. But tell me, what, what do I need to do to get along with my spouse a little better? Okay, I understand the humble thing. Tell me, what do I have to do to overcome a struggle? I, I, I can't seem to overcome. What needs to change on the outside of me? What do I need to do? And here's what I would say. And friends, I can't get any more practical than this. You know what you need to do? You need to go someplace, stand at a distance. That's the way it's worded in the scripture. Let me tell you what it's talking about. Get alone with God and say, God, have mercy on me. Come before him humbly. Don't make your case. Well, God, I couldn't tithe this week because... I had to make a boat payment. And if I don't make the boat payment, they're going to come and repossess the boat. And you know how much I need the boat. I hope I'm not stepping on any toes here. No. We say, God, have mercy on me. Don't make your case. Don't tell God the reasons why you deserve to feel that you don't feel like he is there for you. Don't let God know how lucky he is because you're in his family. You just get alone with God and you say, God, have mercy on me. Friends, there is no substitute for humbling yourself 
before God. We see this consistently throughout Scripture, that when we are humble in heart, that's what draws the attention of the Lord. So Jesus says in verse 15, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'm starting with your notes now, if you'd like to follow with your notes. Being humbled is different than being humble. There is a profound and significant part to this verse which can be easily overlooked. And we want to make sure that we don't skip over that. And that's why I've done part two. Jonathan texts me the other day and says, is this, are these the same notes you sent me last week? I said, no, this is part two. He says, oh, okay. Humble yourself. That's not how we usually think of humility, is it? We think of being humbled as something that's happened to us, not something that we do. We actually think the Bible says that, but it doesn't say that. It says that one must humble himself. This isn't a passive thing. This is an active thing that we have to put in the process. It makes all the difference in carrying with the promise of being exalted, that you humble yourself. Now, I was reading the other day about a fella, and I think you say his name, Nick Walenta. Walenda. He, he's a guy that walked a tightrope over Niagara Falls. And he also walked a tightrope over the Grand Canyon. Now, Nick is a devout follower of Jesus. So after these events where thousands of people are gathered with the spotlight on him, he's tempted toward pride. Therefore, he engages in a simple spiritual discipline. He walks where the crowds have just stood and quietly picks up trash. Walenda wrote, my purpose is simply to help clean up after myself. The huge crowd left a great deal of trash behind, and I feel compelled to pitch in. Besides, after the inordinate amount of attention I sought and received, I need to keep myself grounded. He goes on to say, three hours of cleaning up debris is good for my soul. Humility does not come naturally to me. So if I have to focus, if I have to force myself into situations that are humbling, so be it. I do it because it's a way to keep from tripping. As a follower of Jesus, I see him washing the feet of others. I do this because if I don't serve others, I'll be serving nothing but my ego. You know, no one else sets a better example for us than Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul describes how he humbled himself. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. 
And after being found in uh, appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him. Jesus made himself nothing. He humbled himself. Scripture says he became obedient to death. The Lord is not asking you to be humbled. He's asking you to humble yourself. We must regularly be humbling ourselves or we're going to get ourselves in trouble. Well, if I'm going to humble myself, it means I need to voluntarily confess sin. Oh, let's not go there, Pastor. You know, one of the least, how I want to say attended, uh, responses, one of the least responses to an altar service is if I were to say, okay, all of you that need to repent for sin, come to the altar. Nobody wants to move on that. But if I'm going to humble myself, I need to voluntarily confess sin. I need to confess sin because when I get caught in sin, that's humbling. And it doesn't mean that I've humbled myself. If I confess sin because somebody confronts me, I'm humbled. I'm not humbling myself. Voluntary confession is a way of humbling ourselves. And God exalts those who humble themselves. Now, you can cover up your sin. You can pretend like everything is good on the outside. You can even exalt yourself and act like everything is okay. But I want you to tell you there'll be a time when you will be humbled. You wouldn't have humbled yourself. Another way to humble yourself is to give selflessly and anonymously. You know, when we give anonymously, it keeps us from being humbled or exalted by other people. And that will lead to pride. When, when I give sacrificially, meaning that it actually costs me something, it makes a clear statement in my heart that I am less important than the kingdom of God. Well, the third thing we need to be doing is, and this is true for all of us. In fact, here's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value yourself above others. So, Another thing we need to do is treat others better than ourselves. This is so upside down from what we're told in the world. Take care of number one. But the Bible says, humble yourself and treat others as being more valuable than yourself. Putting their needs ahead of your own needs. Now, when you do that, there's a promise that's attached. God exalts those who humble 
themselves. Well, another way to humble yourself is to be willing to ask for help. I had to take a drink on that because that's a guy thing. I'm confessing. Oh, yeah. It can be humbling. Well, it can be humbling as a pastor to go to someone else and say, I need your help. I'm one of those guys that DYI, do it yourself, whatever that, YDI, I don't know what it means, huh? There you go. I, I needed help with that. Oh, there's an illustration for you. Boy, I'm so proud I did that. <laughs> It's humbling to say, I've made a mess of this. I don't know how, to, how I got myself into this. I really don't know what to do from here. I need help. My tendency is just to do it. Or to think I can fix it. And guess what? I can't. I can't. The sooner I ask for help, the sooner I make room for God's blessing. Maybe you can identify with these, and maybe not. So what are some of the ways you can humble yourself? Not be humbled, but humble yourself. Well, let's review what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who first of all made himself nothing, then he humbled himself. And then in verse 9 it says, Therefore, because he humbled himself and made himself nothing, what happened? God exalted him. Well, we go on to read in Philippians in verse 9, it says, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself. God exalted him. And this is the example that we follow. Jesus was exalted, the scripture says, and one day every knee will bow to him. One day, every knee will bow to him. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Every knee is going to bow to the Lord. Every knee. Yours, mine, a person just walked into the mall, a person just drove by the church. Every knee will bow to him. Why do I know that? Because Jesus humbled himself and God exalted him to be over everything. Now we have a choice. We can bow our knee right now and humble ourselves before him. We can bow our knee before the Lord in humility. And the Bible says that when we do that, we will be exalted to a place called heaven. We will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. Or we could wait until that day before the judgment seat of God 
where the Bible says that every knee will bow. So those who haven't bowed yet, they're going to go before God and they're not going to go humbling themselves. They're going to go humbled. How can you humble yourself when you can't stand? Everybody has to be on their knees. You can't get up. Today's the day to make that choice, friends. Today's the day that we bow our knee before God, before he comes again and takes everybody into eternity. And he says, you didn't bow back then. You will bow now. You will bow now. What credit do you get for kneeling when it's impossible to stand? I can't emphasize that enough. Today is an opportunity to humble yourself, to receive the promise of salvation. Stay humble, friends. Stay humble so you don't get humbled. Now, I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know if you've never bowed your knee to Jesus, and today you need to do that for the first time. Do it while you can make that decision. Humble yourself before God today and say, Lord, I bow my knee before you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I accept what you have done for me on the cross. I realize today I need a Savior. It's as simple as that. That's the starting place for you. Maybe you've got some problems in your life and you're wondering, God, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? And how come I have to go through this? And how come I have to do that? Today's the day that you stand before God, humble and say, God, forgive me. Have your mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I try to do everything on my own, and that's just pride at work. I need your help. Oh, he might do something supernatural. He might take you through a process that you have to go through. I don't know how he's going to do it. But it starts out with you have to humble yourself. You don't have to confess to me. You don't have to confess to anybody else unless you feel it in your heart that confession needs to be made to someone then go and talk to them maybe you feel that you and someone else isn't getting along together and you know there's a problem here take the humble position and go and say forgive me I don't even know what I've done but I know that we're not right with each other forgive me today humble yourself before God you see when we ourselves before God he will exalt us that's what the scripture says would you stand with me this morning glory to the name of Jesus Holy Spirit's talking to some people right now he's talking to some right now and you know that you need to respond to him mercy on me, Lord. That's our prayer. There is no explanation. There is no defense. It's God. Have mercy on me.
something? It doesn't matter to me if you come to the altar and do that. It doesn't matter to me if you go out in the parking lot and do that. What matters to me is you humble yourself before God. You stand right where you're at. You kneel right where you're at. The position, the place really doesn't make any difference. It's the heart. We're so consumed with the outside, we forget about the heart. accepted Christ before, those of you watching my television, you never accepted Christ before, today is the day to bow your knee before Jesus and accept Him. The altar is open. 